Welcome to episode 94 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. On today's episode, Casey discusses big cats in the USA, while I focus on a new breed, this time another horse. We learn about two new beautiful picks this week, and about our Animal of the Week, who I think everyone loves. So without further ado, let's begin episode 94 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 94 of the Animal Addicts Podcast. As always, we're your hosts, Allie. And Casey. And today we're going to talk about a whole new batch of super cool animals. But before we get into that, uh, Casey, what have you been up to since last I saw you? I was dog sitting again. Again? Yes. My aunt, same aunt and uncle went... Um, the jet setters. The jet setters. Um, they went this time to Glacier National Park because my cousin... Um, you know, someone works around there, and so she was able to like get almost everything. So I'm confused. Does she actually live? (laughs) Does she actually live in Alaska, or does she just work for some agency, and that's like, or she just knows someone who works for some agency, and that's how she does it? I know she she does photography. What the snap? So she just knows someone who can hook them up then. Also, her husband's in the navy. Um, that's why they were able to go to Italy so many times in the past few years. That's not like a why you get to go. Usually you get stationed somewhere and then you're there for three years. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like fly back. Well, oh, that's the reason for uncle. going there. Oh, I see. Your aunt and uncle went to visit yeah. them. Okay. So they were stationed over there yeah. and then your aunt. Okay. That makes more sense. I was like, mm-hmm. you don't get to like go back and forth. <laughs> like you get stationed. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah. And no episodes this time because I told her, I told the dog's name is Embry. I told Embry, no episodes while I'm here. <laughs> She's had one since the last time I was there. Okay. And it's like, I told her we're not doing that. <laughs> I am not. Ha- I would break down. <laughs> I was like, wait it up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but now um, she has, she's not as much, uh, her, she doesn't have as much of an appetite. So, um, now in her evening meal, I have to thaw out some chicken to mix in with her kibble. Oh, no. Okay. Mm-hmm. To get her to eat it? Yeah. Okay. Or else I'll just leave it. And sometimes I was like, if I was playing with her, giving her treats and stuff, I would throw some treats in the morning food to get her to eat more. <laughs> She's like, I'm an old lady and I don't want to eat this stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she's 13 now. And she's a boxer what mix? Pity? Boxer pit mix. Yeah. So yeah. she's getting close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she's sweet, but also she's like your shadow, so of course I bump into her all the time. Yeah, that can happen. Yeah. As the dogs generally tend to be mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. And of course, with us approaching spooky season and them having all these streaming networks, I watch several horror movies. Oh, of course. And my conclusion is Netflix is far better for horror movies than really? Hulu. Well, Hulu, I feel like, doesn't have as good assortment of movies as yeah. most other streaming platforms. Mm-hmm. They're just better for TV shows. Yeah. But, yeah, I... And I saw a movie called Creep. Yeah. <laughs> so, basis behind it, spoilers-ish. Um, there's a guy, he gets hired by this guy, other guy, who is telling, wants him to record Life is Day to show his kid because he claims he has cancer and is going to have that to play for his kids after um, he dies. And then 
as it goes on, he finds out that he's been lying and somebody he said was his wife is not his wife. <laughs> and then he gets, like, stalked when he finally leaves and goes back to his house and... Okay. Because that's like a realistic it terror is more for realistic me. realistic thing, yeah. <laughs> oh, life is already scary enough. Mm-hmm. All right, well, exciting times for your jet setting aunt and uncle, and that the doggy didn't have any episodes. Yeah. Um, I went to the animal park for just a short little trip, and um, I don't know why. They've been off exhibit for a while, and I just put two and two together. <laughs> and they've also started putting signs out. That all of the like open air exhibits, all mm-hmm. the birds are gone. Cause I was like, where are the flamingos? The previous time I went, and I was like, oh, I bet they took them off because of bird flu. Yeah. So all the ones who are in aviaries are still out, but the other ones are all mm-hmm. have been taken in. So anyway, so that was a thing. Is that one aviary up in the front still open? Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause I know the lorikeets is closed. It was so funny. I don't even think I shared that one. I brought my friend a couple weeks ago. Um, we went and we went in there and there was this mom with a stroller and she had been trapped there because this one pheasant, I don't know. They're kind of like gray and white little, mm-hmm. anyway, they're cute. But anyway, it had like plopped down in front of the door and she had her stroller and she's like, <laughs> so as we come, she's like, excuse me, could you hold that open so we can get out? Cause like, I don't want to run him over, but I can't like get, oh <laughs> so I was like, God. how long was this poor woman waiting here for somebody to come along to be able to open the door so she could get out of this aviary? Cause the bird will not move. I mean, totally right in front of the door, like blocking at least the one door. Anyway, it was crazy. So, and then that same, I don't know if it was the same individual bird, probably. Um, when I went this last time, you know how there's like, when you walk through there, there's a little, like, I don't want to call it a cave, but that little, like, covered rock little path through. Oh, yeah. So you can go through that or around the side. Um, it was sitting. I wanted to go in that one because that's where Shade was. Anyway, but it was sitting right in the middle of that. And I'm like, you just plop in the middle of pathways <laughs> wherever you go. So anyway, oh, my goodness. So that was entertaining. But um, it was a pretty good trip. There were some baby, uh, I think Thompson's gazelle. And then there were, um, and then they have a baby rhino, but I couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. And then the baby giraffe is only like three months, no, three weeks old now. So it was really cute. And then I brought my mom. She was out visiting a friend for a, a birthday anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I brought her to the zoo for a very short amount of time. And then <laughs> flamingos at the front of the zoo obviously are off exhibit. And uh-huh. they have fake flamingos in there. <laughs> it's so oh. funny. Like, they're better than the really cheap plastic lawn ones, you know, uh, that people get. Okay. Like, they're nicer, but they're just, and they're in different positions. But it's just so funny. And they're just, like, interspersed out there. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm confused by this choice, but I'm entertained oh by it. I'm like, I want someone to come here who doesn't know that any of this is happening. Like, and just act like that's normal. And that's what the flamingos always are. I'm like, oh, yeah, these are the flamingos. <laughs> this is how they've always been. Oh, my God. That's anyway, so it was very entertaining. But the the eagles were open. We didn't go up there because we didn't have time. The, like bald eagle? No, but or? like, you know, the eagle pass as you're going up to like the polar bears, that hill. Oh, wait. I was seeing this far apart. Yeah. Yeah. I that's know. been closed every time I've gone there for the last like year, I think. <laughs> and that's open now because we did the bus and there I saw people walking up there when we were on the bus. I think so, they were doing construction on that bridge. Maybe that's what they were doing. I don't know. Because it's old. <laughs> Anyway, it's been closed for, like, ever. Mm-hmm. But there are people out there. But it was a very, not very helpful, an unsuccessful bus trip because we, like, didn't see much of anything. <laughs> I never take the bus. We do it sometimes because also we can do it for free. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think it's free for everyone, but I get priority, which both times we've gone, I haven't needed it. I say both times. Who did I take? Oh, I took Denora when we went. Anyway, so, um, yeah, but we did see the axolotl. 
And the titty caca frog was actually out, so you can see his little face, and he's not very wrinkly. It's actually real cute. And um, the shelf's poo stick was still like, nope, not gonna happen. <laughs> You're not gonna see me. So funny. I always, I always see it when I go. He's usually in the state on the side. Mm -hmm. I always see him over there, so I always go that way first. I'm like, he's usually over here when I see him. He's like there in like that front part. Like yeah. here's the reptile house, and here's him. But he's just the last three times I think I've gone, it's been like, no, you yeah. don't get to see me. Mm -hmm. And that's always the one I want to show people. I'm like, he's the coolest one. Anyway, um, explaining it's not a snake. Yeah. They usually don't fight me too much. But no. anyway, so, um, but yeah, so that was good. And then, and there's so many repeats in the reptile house, between the reptile house and the explorer's base camp. I mm -hmm. think there's three of the one kind of boa. <laughs> there's two whip spiders in the explorer's base camp alone. Yeah. And like, there's so many repeat things. And then the, the naked mole rats, they were, they had babies. Yay. Mm -hmm. But they were up in like the top one that's further away and not like up front. So mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I'm sad. So yeah. I like to see you up and close and see little teeth. But anyway, so it was fine. Also, you lied, Casey. So I, I went there, and the only thing I can eat is pizza. <laughs> also, their pizza is one of the best pizzas I think I've ever had. I just don't understand how that pizza is so good. So I go there, and I'm like, okay, we'll do the bus. And then, like, I have to eat because I won't make it the rest of the day without feeling, like, horrible. So I go over to where I got it last time, and the thing's closed. And I'm like, oh, God. And I was like, okay, Casey said it was at Treetops. So we go over to Treetops, which I have no intention of going over there for any <laughs> other reason. I'm like, this is making a detour. This is taking away time from what we're trying to do today. And they did not have it. Really? So then I was like, who else has pizza? And then they were like, Busy Bee, which I'd never been to. Oh, in the base camp. Yeah. So I went, and I <laughs> thought she meant the one up front, because she was like, oh, by the exit. So I thought, oh, that main food place, which I don't know the name of it where I usually would eat mm -hmm. before, and they didn't have it. So, like, I'm starting to get stuff, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do because you have literally nothing else I can eat, mm. like, safely. And I was like, where is this? Like, try Busy Bee. So Busy Bee is great. Also, I think they probably won't close because they're a bigger little restaurant yeah. thing. Also, they have – my mom was entertained that they have alcohol there. <laughs> I was like, this is the, basically the children's zoo. And she's like, but they have the alcohol. I'm like, wouldn't you want alcohol? <laughs> yeah, that's how you deal with the kids. And I'm like, wouldn't you want that if you were a parent bringing a child here? I think you would also want a margarita. Anyway, so um, so we did that. But we got that uh, – so I got the pizza, and life was great. But now I know to just go there. and go get my pizza there, and then you can do base camp, and life's great. So, there you go. Anyway, that was my trip. It was exciting. I was just very entertained by the flamingos being fake. So, anywho, but let's get on into what we want to talk about today. And uh, Casey, just take it away, I guess. Yes, so I'm going to be talking about big cats in the U.S. Big cats in the U.S.A. Woo! Big so, songs. Yeah. Anyway. Continue. So over the past few years, there has been a growing concern in the public with regards to big cats being privately owned by people, mm. especially with the introduction of shows like Tiger King. However, actually tracking the private ownership of animals like tigers in the U.S. is quite difficult. And when the media makes reports on this issue, they provide information that is misleading or in some cases just flat out wrong. Great. One of the most common problems is that the median media often gives estimates that is far above those in academic circles for example some sources give estimates of the domestic tiger population being at or above 15,000 okay that seems like a lot yeah a major issue is that these non-academic sources report getting these estimates from expert testimony air quotes right <laughs> <laughs> but the credibility of these estimates is virtually impossible to track because there is no sourcing to the original information 
In actuality, there have been very few comprehensive surveys looking into the captive population of big cats, and most of these are well over a decade old now. The main academic source referenced was published back in 2005 and found that there were 264 tigers in AZA zoos, 1,379 in sanctuaries, and 2,120 in USDA facilities, and then an additional approximately 1,100 in private collections for a total of around 44,692. But that's saying between zoos and? Zoos, sanctuaries, private ownership. Private ownership being someone in Houston who just wants a tiger for no reason. That's part of it. And then okay. there's, yeah. Um, so, but there's complications with the methodologies of this. And um, so it's a bit more complicated. But anyways, um, when this has been cited, it is often rounded up to 5,000. And is where people get the claim 5,000 tigers living in U.S. And there, are, like I said, there are some flaws with the studies in that it does not include documentation on how the data was collected. But the few papers published after um, tend to agree with the 5,000 estimate. The media has been quite different, though, as when surveyed for their source of their numbers, less than half spe specified their source. And this included the more reputable me news media as well as um, advocacy groups and is how you get reports of 10,000 tigers or above. Um, and it seems this is often a case of telephone. And <laughs> in some cases... The Humane Society of the United States is the source for some news stories, including even National Geographic. Oh, wow. Yeah. And HSUS claimed they got it from the USDA and that it, it claimed that it is common knowledge. But when questioned, the USDA said they do not track the information and got their information about t captive tiger population from the Humane Society of the United States. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So, um... This miscommunication with the public is not helped when there are contradictions with major non-academic sources either, um, sometimes within the same source. Um, for example, the Big Cat Rescues website has a page that states that only 10% of tigers in the U.S. are um, owned by professionally regulated zoos. Again, they use HSUS as their source. Okay. But they later go on to state up to 10,000 tigers are kept as pets in the U.S., quoting the vice president of the zoological operations of the St. Louis Zoo. And neither of these texts have been updated since 2013. And both statements are clearly contradictory to the estimates in academic sources of around 5,000. Unfortunately, the media is not the only ones being misled by sources. Um, some studies only need to deal with tiger populations in passing, meaning it's not the focal point of the research, but population may serve as a minor aspect in the study. An example would be if someone was doing research in something like zoonotic diseases in tigers. Um, when doing this kind of research, only looking at populations in passing, they may actually source these media sources with the inflated tiger population mm, numbers. Okay. This would be more typical in researchers not familiar with animal regulations and may be looking for more recent sources than the 2005 survey. Even when um, disregarding the media sources, there is a clear problem at the moment as the main source for these numbers on the tiger population in the U.S. come from a study that is nearly 20 years old. Okay. Uh, this incredibly old data means its estimates are almost certainly inaccurate and more current research must be done to give us a better understanding of just how many are in the U.S. Okay. Well, um, not really a segue. 
Cool, cool. But um, it is time for another breed, and we are going back to a horse this time. Woohoo! Do you have any idea who I chose, Casey? Any quine? Yes, that's not <laughs> specific. You have to know at least mm. like four breeds of horses you could attempt okay. to say something. I mean, it's not going to be this one. I'm almost certain, but like, just see, just guess. I have one on my head. I can't remember it now. Um, let's go. Clydesdale. Okay. I know it's not it. No. We did a Frisian, so I wouldn't do her. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> anyway. that's right. Um, so I have chosen the Norwegian Fjord horse, um, and they're really cool, honestly, because they look cool. <laughs> they're just, like, very distinctive looking. So, anyway, we'll get into that. So this is about the breed, and this is um, from the Norwegian Fjord Horse Registry, just so you know. So the New York – try that again. The Norwegian Fjord horse is one of the world's oldest and purest breeds. It is believed that the original Fjord horse migrated to Norway and was domesticated over 4,000 years ago. Herds of wild Fjord horses existed in Norway after the last ice age. Archaeological excavations at Viking burial sites indicate that the Fjord horse has been selectively bred for at least 2,000 years. One of their unique characteristics is that approximately 90% of all fjord horses are brown dun in color. The other 10% are either red dun, gray, white, or uls, U-L-S, dun. What? <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> or yellow dun. Anyway, um, the fjord horse retains the wild dun color of the original horse, as well as the primitive markings, which include zebra stripes on the legs. Kind of like a Somali wild ass, right? Cool, cool. Yeah. Anyway, um, and a dorsal stripe that runs from the forelock down to the neck and back to the tail. Dark stripes may also be seen over the withers. Red duns have reddish-brown stripes and body markings. Gray duns have black or very dark gray stripes and markings. While the ulls dun is a very light body color with black or gray stripe and markings. Stripes and markings. The yellow dun have a darker yellow stripe and markings, and they may have a completely white forelock, mane, and tail. The yellow dun is a very rare color in the breed, though. Another unique characteristic of the fjord horse is the mane. The center hair of the mane is dark, usually black, while the outer hair is white. The mane is cut short, so it will stand erect. It is trimmed in a characteristic crescent shape to emphasize the graceful curve of the neck. The white outer hair is then trimmed slightly shorter than the dark inner hair to display the dramatic dark stripe. The head and neck should be present um, an appearance of el or sorry, the head and neck should present an appearance of elegance. I was going to say I would hope they're present. Yes. <laughs> the head and neck you would hope. It's a problem. Um, they should present an, uh, an appearance of elegance without coarseness. The head is a medium sized and well defined with a broad, flat forehead and a straight or slightly dis uh, dished face? What is dished? Okay, I don't know what that means, folks. Um, the eyes are large, ears are small and alert, and the neck of the fjord is well muscled and crescent. <laughs> and crested, excuse me. Um, the body is short, coupled with good depth, large heart girth and well-developed muscles. The legs are powerful with substantial bone and excellent feet, which are black in color. Fjords generally range in size from 13.2 to 14.2 hands and weigh between 900 to 1,200 pounds at maturity, with few individuals ranging outside these measurements. Um, anyway, they're really cool-looking horses. There are some pictures where the let the mane go longer, and it's a little 
different looking, but anyway, so you can see what they look like. They're beautiful. Oh, yeah. They very much look like a wild horse, Yeah, too. they kind of to make it look like a Chevalskis. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> anyway, so, um, and then they pretty much go over this, and then just uh, Briar horses, I'll link all these, obviously. Um, also, just give you a little bit more information that today they basically use them, um, well, I should say, the selective breeding of the fjord has produced a horse with a willing nature that takes well to training. The versatility of the fjord is proven by their success in everything from dressage to farm work. In the driving world, fjords compete in pleasure shows and combine driving with great results. They are a wonderful recreational driving companion with their well-balanced, regular gaits, and good forward movement. Um, anyway, and then it goes on to talk about them. The Norwegian Fjord Horse Registry trying to preserve the genetic purity of blah, 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 blah. Anyway. So, but they're really cool. Like, see, this one's doing probably looks like a dressage. And they're just really cool looking horse. They're very distinctive looking, I'd say. That does yeah. not look in any way like a thoroughbred or a quarter horse, right? Not at all. So anyway, I will obviously be posting a picture of them. They are super cool. And that is the, I just, I've never called them the Norwegian. I've just always called them Fjord. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen anyone say the whole name. Yeah. I remember the one I was trying to remember the name of. Like, what was it? The Ahel Tiki. Oh, you went with a, a strange one. I was like, is it an Arabian, an no. Appaloosa, a Palomino? A thoroughbred should have been the easiest one. <laughs> I know. Or a quarter horse. Or a Shetland pony. Everyone yeah. knows them. Oh, yeah. Anyway. The reason I remember that is because I watched John Oliver, mm-hmm. um, and I remember an uh, episode where he's talking about the president of Turkmenistan, who is obsessed with Ahel Techies. Oh, okay. And they're like tons of that horse over in his office he literally earns a pl- owns a plurality of the world's population wow <laughs> i think it's somewhere like 10 percent of all hell that's Al-Techies. crazy <laughs> i know it's interesting to be that obsessed with one animal yeah <laughs> anyway i don't know why that made me think of it but also remember the other day because it was on the background we were working on other stuff they had some sort of it wasn't dog agility but it was like a race you know how cheetah run they do the lore mm-hmm. it was that but with dogs <laughs> Like greyhounds or? No, it was a oh. basset hound when I went out there. <laughs> and I was like, how is this? Well, anyway, I know there's like dachshund races. And then later, and yeah, but those. those are usually like next to each other. This yeah. was like a single track, oh. one dog getting like getting timed. And there's a basset hound. And I'm like, I hope he's racing against other basset hounds because that dog is not going to do well. And then, and then I went later and there was gold. And I'm like, this makes more sense. <laughs> But I was like, how is this Bassett? And I'm just like, what are all these sports? I'm like, I want to get a dog and do some of this stuff. Yeah. Anyway, I'm like, that's an easy one. They just have to run fast. Mm-hmm. A lot of people should do that with their dogs so they actually keep up with actually training. Actually get exercise, training, socialization, mm-hmm. all that good stuff. It would be really fun to see. What? A Bassett dog diving. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I've seen them do agility, and I'm like, how do you do it? That's like the little corgi plop. I know. <laughs> Anyway, but then their ears would be like, yeah. <laughs> I love, by the way, oh God, it's been so long since I've seen one, but puppy basset hounds when they just trip on their ears. Oh, uh, my aunt, she ha- she got a basset. Um, I, she He had to be put down last year. Aww. But I, I remember when they got him when he was just a puppy. Yeah. Giant droopy ears yeah. to the ground and the big clog hoppers <laughs> for feet. <laughs> and they trip on them all the time. Uh, yeah. Oh my God, they're uh, so cute. Anyway, all right. So moving right along <laughs> from horses and dogs into uh, our picks this week. And it was my turn to choose. And I chose the favorite Central or North American songbird, which was an, a piece of education for me 
Casey because I was like, what classifies a songbird? <laughs> and it's no under clue. the class or whatever, perf or whatever. You'll get into it, I'm sure, anyway. Order Passeriformes. There we go, that. And I was like, there we go. It actually is a thing. <laughs> but I just like <laughs> saying songbird better. It yeah. sounds prettier. Anywho. All right. So, Casey, who did you choose? I went with the Blue Jay. Woohoo! Yes, yeah, so the Blue Jay scientific name is Cyanocita cristata. Okay. They are found throughout much of the eastern half of the United States year-round. Um, the species prefers living in woodlands, but has also been found in suburbs and city parks. In the wild, they live to an average of about seven years, with some recorded to living to be about 17, and the oldest one ever recorded was 26. Wow. About 22 to 30 centimeters long with a 34 to 43 centimeter wingspan. 34. I got a whole day there. 34 to what? 34 to 43. Oh, that's not that big. Yeah. That's 17 inches max. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's a normal size bird. Yeah. They're average size for a songbird. Okay. Um, and they weigh about 65 to 109 grams. They are an omnivorous bird species, and they will feed on a variety of fruits, nuts, and seeds, as well as some animal matter like small rodents, frogs, and even the eggs of and chicks of smaller songbirds. I just found that weird that you said animal matter. I don't think you've ever used that term before. <laughs> that has thrown me. <laughs> Wouldn't that just be anything that's for animals? Like animals or eggs or anything? We could just say about like almost all animals, unless it's a herbivore. Yeah. Okay, anyway, continue. Um, uh, the blue jay is actually a member of the corvid family which includes birds like crows and ravens and in my opinion they are the most beautiful of the corvids blue jay yeah yeah obviously <laughs> with a predominantly blue color on their back with some black and white markings but this blue coloration is actually an illusion as the birds feathers contain a melanin which is brown in color. Whoa. And the blue coloration is a result of the scattering of light from the cells on the barbs of the feathers similar to the scales on a butterfly's wing. What? Yeah. Very few blue birds are actually blue. That's crazy. <laughs> yep. Uh, like their cousins, the blue jay is very intelligent and in captivity they have been observed making tools in order to get food. But tool use hasn't been observed in the wild, so it is not known if this is something they do regularly. Some tool use they have observed, though, is taking strips of newspaper to rake up food pellets that are sitting outside of their cage. They can also be very playful. Young jays will collect bright, colorful, reflective objects and carry them around with them until they lose interest. <laughs> They have also been observed surprising other birds in order to get them to drop their food so they can steal it and oh, stash it away. Funny. <laughs> Blue jays are also capable of mimicry and will imitate the calls of other birds like red-shouldered hawks. And it's thought that this may warn other jays that a hawk is nearby or possibly trick other birds out of the area by making them believe there's a hawk around. Oh, wow. And because they stash away food like seeds and nuts, this makes them important for the ecosystem since they often won't eat them all. And this helps to disperse the seeds of trees and maintains a healthy ecosystem, especially in regards to spreading oak trees because acorns are among their favorite snacks. Fun fact, if you live in the eastern United States and want to attract blue jays, they tend to prefer tray or hopper feeders, which are sitting on a post instead of hanging feeders. Um, and usually are attracted by peanuts, sunflower seeds, and soot. Uh, blue jays are also incredibly social birds, 
and form tight family units. Both parents share the responsibility for raising the chick, and they will work together to scare off birds of prey like hawks. These birds also feed peacefully among family members and take turns tending to the nestlings. The blue jay is currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN redlist, and their population is stable. They are currently facing no major threats, and according to the All About Birds resource, it is estimated that the total breeding population is around 13 million. Wow. Okay. Nice. I definitely thought of those because when we went to use, when we used to go to Idlewild, mm-hmm. uh, I thought we were feeding blue jays, but apparently <laughs> they're scrub jays. Yep. I've since learned when I was looking into this category, but um, but we'd always go buy peanuts, and then we had like this little porch in the banister. And we just let the peanuts out there and yeah. watched them all come down, which was very entertaining for the dogs and the cats. And it's so funny because sometimes they'd come. I guess that makes sense if they're like crows. And they'd pick them up and they'd shake them. Yeah. And they could hear if there was like one or two in there. And they'd put it down and go to the next <laughs> one and take it. Obviously, yep. the squirrels also made out with this whole situation. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. there you go. All right. Well, I chose mine because um, I love even when I choose a category, I still have so much trouble committing to one. Um, but I was like, this one is just so, I think they're very distinctive looking. And fun fact, I almost made this category something along the lines of an animal that a professional sports team has as a mascot. Because <laughs> this is the Cardinals. Yeah. Oh, I gave that away. The Northern Cardinals, what I chose, but the Cardinals are the uh, sports team mascots that uh, I don't even remember. I don't even remember who it is. I feel like it's Arizona. Oh, it's I not. Believe it's you're not correct. football. Is it football? So they have diamondbacks, but I don't know if that's baseball or football or who. Anyway, it's somebody's thing. So It's Arizona Cardinals. It is football. Football. Okay. So the diamondbacks must be their baseball team. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So what? Oh, I always pick ones that do this. And I love it. <laughs> All right. So the Northern Cardinal is Cardinalis Cardinalis. <laughs> love it. Anyway, um, this species is widespread throughout the eastern U.S. and can be found down into Mexico as well and in some of the American Southwest. There is also an introduced population in California along around Los Angeles. They tend to live in open woodland habitat but can also be found in vegetation around houses. The northern cardinal has been known to live up to 15 years. They are a medium-sized songbird. They are 20 to 23 centimeters long, and their wingspan is 30.5 centimeters. That's not very big. Nope. They're a little bit smaller. Okay, anyway. Whoops, sorry. That was a lot of noise. Uh, They are 42 to 48 grams. That's how much they weigh. The vast majority of the cardinal's diet consists of seeds, grains, insects, and fruits. Because so much of their diet consists of seeds, they are very important for the seed dispersal of many plant species. This species is sexually dimorphic. Females are usually a dull brown color with reddish wings and a light face mask, while males are a vibrant red color with a much darker face mask. Now I'm going to go look at their faces more. I just know all the red and the poof. Anyway, um, the northern cardinal is a seriously... A seriously? <laughs> they are seriously... Uh-huh. The northern cardinal is a serially monogamous species, but they are known to engage in extra pair copulations, meaning the male's a dirt bag with a side chick. <laughs> oh my god, gentle listeners, Casey wrote this with a side chick in quotation marks <laughs> and then the little semicolon D smiley face winky thing. I had to. Oh my god. Only the males do this? The females mm-hmm. don't? Not really. 
Oh my god, what a douche. Anyway, one study found that in some... Also, I have to point out, you just made a freaking pun. Yeah. You hate puns, but... Yeah, but mine's good. But I'm so proud. Whoa. <laughs> I'm proud, but also stay in your lane. All right. So one study found that in some nests, about 35% of nestlings came from these extra copulations. What? Wait, how? I'm confused. So the females don't actually go out and search for the males, but they will accept it. So the females sit there and the males come to them, but then how do they have, I don't understand how then they're getting eggs from other women. Their sperm competition. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. One mates, then the male comes along. Mate. So she is still getting multiple yes, dudes. Okay. but she's not actively. It's not a one. So she's not out looking for it. She doesn't no. have to work yeah. for it. They just come to her. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That makes more sense anyway. Ah, <laughs> uh, there we go. Also nestlings. How adorable. Anyway, so these birds usually mate twice a year. Usually they have the first brood around March and the second between May and July. The female builds nests, they went too far, um, out of vines and twigs and prefers to build it in the thickets or bushes. (laughs) The female is the only one that incubates the eggs, but the male will bring food back to the nest to feed his mate. Once they hatch, both the parents will share responsibility of feeding the chicks, insects, as well as uh, removing fecal sacs from the nest. Ew. Well, why is it a sack? That's They just poop in one spot yeah. for a long time, then they just mm-hmm. gather it? Ugh, yeah. Gross. Anyway, <laughs> at least they're cleaning up. Anyway, these chicks can grow up quickly and leave only 13 days after hatching. Wow. However, things aren't always as nice for the second brood of chicks. Oh, God, it's going to get bad. Okay. <laughs> the second brood is often the victim of brown-headed cowbirds parasiting the nest, laying its own eggs in the northern cardinal's nest, and this can result in the loss of the cardinal chicks. Do they kick them out or do they eat them? They will kick them. Okay. These birds are not migratory and are usually found living within a kilometer of where they were hatched. Once One characteristic that sets the northern cardinal apart from other songbirds is that the female also sings, and it is suspected that this may actually be a call to her mate that she uses while sitting on the nest. <laughs> Come home, honey. Um, mated pairs will also usually share song phrases with one another. The Northern Cardinal is currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN Red List, and their populations are stable at the moment. Anyway, <laughs> Casey had fun writing this one, obviously. Yes, I did. <laughs> All right. So those are our our, uh, our favorite Central or North American songbirds. I believe we both went mostly North, more than Central. They kind of go down there, though. It's at least there's no mine. real Central America. It's not, all North America. Yeah, not really. Um, <laughs> and uh, hey, Casey. Yes, Allie. Why shouldn't you? Uh, well, okay, I should say this. So, birds are just modern-day dinosaurs, right? Yes. Okay, so why shouldn't you fight a dinosaur? I don't know. You'll get your giraffe kicked. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a horrible thing. You'll get giraffe kicked. <laughs> I died. That's on my pun thing I found, and I was like, I am following you because that is fantastic. You can't sit here and tell me that's not a great yeah. pun. It's a good one. <laughs> it's so good. And at least it's correct. You get Jurassic. kicked. <laughs> I remember that was something I critiqued about the Jurassic Park uh, series. Yeah. Is because, like, uh, the original trilogy is, like, it was called Jurassic Park, but most of the animals are from the Cretaceous. Oh, snap. Anyway. <laughs> well, Jurassic has a better sound I to know. It. But... Anyway, that's how marketing works. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all right. That's going to bring us to our Animal of the Week. And our animal of the week this week is... The Anna's Hummingbird. The Anna's Hummingbird. 
And I don't really know too much about them. Fun fact, I almost made the category favorite hummingbird. <laughs> anyway. All right, continue on. Right. Tell us about them. So these guys come from the order Apodiformes. Okay. They're in the family Trochilidae, and their scientific name is Calypti Anna. That's fun. Yep. Sorry, who's the who else is in their order? Because we've talked about other birds who are in that order, I feel like. Apodiformes. I yeah. don't think we have. We have, I swear we have said that order before. Because it includes um, hummingbirds and swifts. Oh, okay. I don't know. Maybe it's something that sounds like that then. Apoda. All right, continue on. Yeah. Um, so this species has a resident population in California, Oregon, Washington, and Arizona. But during the breeding season, they are restricted to the state of California. And then during the winter months, they can also be found in parts of Canada, Mexico, and New Mexico. This species lives in woodlands and shrublands, but is a common sight in people's gardens and city parks as well. They live on average about eight and a half years. Like other hummingbird species, these birds are very small. They mm -hmm. average just 10 centimeters in length and have a wingspan about 11 to 12 centimeters. Oh, yeah, that's about a hummingbird. How cute. Yep. I think I have seen these before. They you probably like the have. common ones we see. Mm -hmm. And they weigh about four and a half grams. It's a little. Yep. Hummingbirds are most well known for their high sugar diet and feeding on the nectar of flowers. And humans have taken advantage of this and installed hummingbird feeders full of sugar water in order to attract them to their yards. However, a diet purely of sugar is lacking of certain nutrients, especially protein, so the hummingbirds also feed on a variety of small insects. This species is sexually dimorphic, with males having a vibrant pink iridescent throat. And hummingbirds are also well known for their speed in the air and can travel at around 32 kilometers per hour. In order to achieve this, the hummingbird has to flap its wings at a rate about 40 to 50 times a second. It's so crazy. Yeah. This high frequency of wing beats is also responsible for the distinctive humming sound that gives these birds their name. Part of the reason that these birds are able to accomplish this is due to large pectoral muscles that can be up to 30% of their body weight. That's crazy. Yep. However, the biggest contributor to their flight is due to the fact that hummingbirds generate lift on both the up and down stroke. When they flap their wings, they turn their wrists in the upstroke, which changes the angle of the wing and flaps in a figure eight pattern, hmm. which continuously produces lift. And this is also the reason behind hummingbirds' unique ability to hover in place. They are, in fact, the only birds that are capable of doing this. This hovering also allows them to come to a sudden stop and makes them incredibly agile and gives them the ability to fly backwards. To help reduce their weight, uh, they have evolved very tiny legs that are so small they can't walk. Oh! Yeah, if you ever see a hummingbird perched, it sh it does a little shimmy if it ever moves. I don't think I've ever seen them try to move. Yeah. Um, this way of flight is incredibly energy consuming, and as a result, hummingbirds have the highest metabolic rate of any vertebrate on Earth. Crazy. In order to keep up, the hummingbird must eat incredibly frequently, hence why nectar is such an important food source for them. This creates a problem, though, because they have to eventually sleep, and if their metabolic rate remained constant, they would die. <laughs> uh, to compensate for this, the hummingbird goes into torpor every night when they sleep. Wow. Yep. So basically, they go into a minor form of hibernation every night, and their heart rate goes from 1,200 beats per minute to just 50. 
Okay. Yep. They also have relatively large brains that account for 4% of their body weight, which is the largest of any bird species. Wow. This allows them uh, to remember which flowers they have already drank from and which ones they are going to drink from. And they're also able to recognize which people are the ones that fill up the hummingbird feeders. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yep. Another unique adaptation for hummingbirds is their tongue, which is actually forked. And it has some extensions called lamellae. And when the tongue moves back, so when it's drinking from the flower, it first sticks its tongue in. Then when it moves back, then that's when the tongue splits. Then when it gets pulled back, the lamellae roll in and the tongue comes back together to trap the nectar in its tongue. It kind of makes me think of like a chameleon Mm -hmm. a little bit. Not that they're rolling it and like sending it out like that, but just like, that's cool. Yeah. But perhaps the most fascinating aspect of this animal's behavior comes from how males court a female. When a male attracts the attention of a female, he will fly up to about 30 meters above her. Then he dives straight down towards the ground. And during this dive, he pulls his wings back, which makes him more aerodynamic. Mm -hmm. And this, along with force of gravity, causes him to travel nearly 400 times his body length every second. Wow. At the last second, he pulls up quickly, and at this moment, he experienced about 9 Gs of force. <gasps> For a little tiny hummingbird? Yep. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. there's some roller coasters I'm like, this is uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> and a big part of this is for attracting female has to do with the tail feathers, because the wind passing through the tail feathers causes them to vibrate, which produces a f- sound to serenade the female. Okay. Yep. And if it is a sunny day, he will also orient himself so the sun is pointing it towards him, and that way it gets reflected off of his iridescent throat feathers. Wow. Yep. So it's a visual and, a, and an auditory? Yep. Okay. <laughs> the Anna's hummingbird is currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN Red List, and their population is currently increasing. Do you know what would be good flowers to plant for them? Because I've heard a lot of people, if you don't properly take care of the feeders, it can be really detrimental to them. Yeah, you need so to make I, sure you're cleaning them. Yeah, otherwise they can get real, like, die, essentially. Yes. Um, so I feel like I'd be, I feel safer just planting stuff that they would go to. Anyway, if you don't know now, we'll just have to look into it and yeah, update it next time. Yeah, I know some sources had, again, the flowers listed were families, so... <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, great. Anywho, but they're super cute, and hummingbirds are awesome. I remember, I think we had a customer back when we worked at our old place, mm-hmm. and he was like, oh, I started feeding the humming. I put stuff out for the hummingbirds, and this one hummingbird, he has, like, a lot of glass, mm-hmm. you know, glass doors in, like, his kitchen. Anyways, like, and this one hummingbird every morning will come into, like, my line of view and just fly there and stare at me. <laughs> until I go out and feed it. Yeah. And it'll follow me around, like, the house until I go feed it. <laughs> He's like, I'm getting, like, stared down by a hummingbird every yeah. day. I'm like, ah, oh, it makes sense then. Yeah. Anyway, all right, well, What's, that's super uh, cool. I yeah. have one funny story. Is we went, um, me and my family went to Del Mar Fair once, and they had this station with these hummingbird feeders, and it kind of looks like a flower and a bunch of little stations, so yeah. you have tons of hummingbirds. And he had some videos of even this. My mom got one um, or two, I can't remember, and she never sees a hummingbird use it. I love when people put the hats on. Oh, I know. I want to do that so bad. I'm yeah. like, I want to get the a hat. Is, and like, I bet hold he took still. those videos along with those videos with the hats in Florida because that's on their migration route. Oh, okay. 
I want to do that really bad mm-hmm. though. I want to get the hat and sit out there <laughs> and be like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, well, fun fact, the hummingbirds yeah. are endemic to Americas. They're not in the old world. Oh, okay. That's good to know. Mm-hmm. They're so cool. Hummingbirds yeah. are just awesome. And there's even like micro hummingbirds down in South America. <gasps> I want to see that. <laughs> little baby, like these little babies. Yeah, they're little, really tiny. Little, little, I want to Oh my god okay you start our challenge and i'm gonna go look up a micro hummingbird because i want to see it mm-hmm. i have no idea what this is gonna be i'm hoping it's for both of us because usually they go a little bit better than when it's just for me <laughs> no it's just for you oh god okay funny fact i was like i called this figure it out i am pretty sure that is the name of an actual tv show probably <laughs> but anyway i've picked 10 animals that we have covered previously over the years and i will you have a maximum of five hints um, okay. So you have a potential of 10 points um, if you get it with the first hint, and then it goes down by two points until the last one, which you only get two points if you takes you till then. And then if you still don't get it, you get no points. Okay. That was confusing, and I'm looking at a picture. If this is actually it, it is the cutest little thing. Yeah. Oh, my God. How do we not talk about this adorable little baby? <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'm going to go that for a wild card. Anyway, okay. So, okay. I'm sorry. So how does the point system work? There's okay, 10? Okay. So there will be... If, potential of 10 points per question okay um i will give you the first hint okay um you get a guess um if you can't get it then you go we'll go on to the next one so if you get it on the first hint you get 10 points okay so the more hints i take the less points i get yes okay that makes and you sense. can't get it even after five you get no points okay so i could potentially get 100 points if i don't need hints is that accurate is it 10 points and per yes. question 10 questions okay that's how math works yes okay all right, I. Oh, okay, here we go. I feel like I need to study our podcast. <laughs> That's what I feel like I need to do. I need to treat this like okay. it's a class and go back and study. Let's go with ten minutes. Are you ready? Sure. Okay, first one. <laughs> it is fully aquatic, but is not a fish. Um. Full like they can't even come on land. I did not say that. Okay. I. That's a confusing thing. Well, they can, but they don't. Oh, okay. So it's not like an anaconda where it can go on land. Okay, that's that's what I'm trying to get at. Um, well, they do. Fully aquatic, but it's not a fish. Oh man, you're killing me, dude. Um, I don't know who aren't who can't come on land. I mean, like a vaquita isn't a fish. I was say a vaquita. <laughs> that is not correct. Okay, great. All I don't right. know what that's supposed to be. Okay. Second hint, they are in the order Urodella. Oh, Jesus. Oh, this is the same question? Yes, same oh, animal. Oh, okay, the same animal. Oh, I don't remember who's the Urodella. Um, nope, I'm going to need another hint. Okay. It possesses the ability to regenerate limbs and even organs. Oh, axolotl. That is correct. Okay, there we go. Okay, next one. Has a forked tongue, but it is not a snake. A hummingbird. That is not it. Oh. I, I will, up front, <laughs> these are all animals of the week. Okay. That was an animal of the week. We just said oh, a wait. hummingbird. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's not that one. <laughs> like, that was. Liar. Okay. Not this week, I guess. There's yeah. Nothing not this, this week. week. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, sorry. It's a fork ton, but not a, uh, but not a lizard. But not a I'm snake. I'm sorry. Not a snake. That's, I was thinking it's probably a lizard mm-hmm. then. Sorry. Um, I don't. I don't remember if they do or not. I'm. I don't. I literally don't remember if they do or not. 
I don't remember them either. I well, guess there's answer one, and then you tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah. We keep going. I'll say a tuatara. That is not correct. Okay. Okay. It is the largest lizard in the U.S. Okay, there we go. It's the heel monster. That is correct. <laughs> I should have gone with my first choice. <laughs> That's what I was thinking first, and I was like, yeah. I was trying to remember what their tongues look like. <laughs> All right, so next one. Uh, it's a vertebrate that lives in the southern ocean. All my oceans run together. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know which ocean is which ocean. I feel like that's about the time we did the... Wait, a vertebrate, though? Well, yeah. they have... Vertebrate just has to have backbone, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like... I don't know if that's backbone, but it's bony. I'm going to go with a Jonah-sized fish. That is correct. Yeah! Okay, next one. It is a nocturnal predator in the old world. Old world is Africa and those ones, right? New yes. world is America's. Okay. Mm -hmm. It is a nocturnal. So, so many nocturnal. <laughs> are you kidding me? These are not specific enough. Like, tell me how a vaquita is not fully aquatic. Tell me how. <laughs> it's. I never said <laughs> it goes from broad to more specific to help. I know, but like, that's not like, that's not an accurate thing. Like, I don't think I should be being penalized when it is that. Um, I, so many of them are. Are you kidding me right now? I'm. Say the black footed cat. That is correct. Great. <laughs> uh, this one is in the order Hymenoptera. That is oh. the same order as bees. Okay. Oh, no. I was thinking that was the butterflies. What are they? I thought they were Hymenoptera. Butterflies are in Lepidoptera. Oh, that's right. <sighs> okay. It's the same order. These are all animals of the week, right? Mm hmm Okay. Same order as bees. Well, we did that. Was that an animal of the week or was that just a pick? The box-headed blood bee? Was that a... I feel like that was an animal of the week. You going with that? I'm going to go with that. That is not it. Okay. But it was a good guess. Thank you. <laughs> was that an animal of the week or was yes, that a pick? Okay. <laughs> I'm like losing my mind. They are sexually dimorphic. Oh, come on. <laughs> we have literally... <laughs> we oh. have talked about one insect that is sexually dimorphic. I don't remember. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, we haven't talked with them any okay. You have a little less than six so, minutes. So well it's by the way. not a it's not a it's not the Alcon, because that's a butterfly. Nope. Um so many of the beetles were like well that wouldn't be where they are anyway. Mm -hmm. So the fairy fly? That is correct. There we go. Okay. So this one is a marine animal that's not fully aquatic. It could be so many things. I'm going to say a marine iguana. That is correct. Yay. This one, I'll be surprised. Rude. <laughs> I take I take an argument with the fact that you're giving me a crapshoot of like, oh, this is your thing, and there are five options. Just guess the right one. <laughs> it's an Asian mammalian carnivore. That's so many things. Not, I, no, I should be getting massive bonus points. This is not a fair thing. I disagree with this one. Um, an Asian mammalian carnivore. Um, I am having trouble remembering who we had as picks and who we had as animals of the week. I'm just going to say a bencheron because I know that was a pick or an animal of the week. That is not it. Um, okay, continue. Their diet consists mostly of mammals. Our Asian... I don't think they eat a lot of animals. 
Do any cats in Asia? I don't think so. I can't even remember who all of our Asian animals are. It's not obviously the Saola. No. <laughs> oh, we are at the four minute mark. I don't think it's a Sunda. Oh, I can never say their names. Kaluga. Kaluga. I don't think it's them. I don't think it's a Tarsier. Um. Who did we had a reptile over there though? But they wouldn't just eat mammals. Mm -hmm. They're also not a mammal. <sighs> oh, that's right. You said it was a mammal. Um. Oh my god, um, sun bear. That is not it. Okay, bear. great. I mean, it's not sun bear. I'm sorry, sloth bear. Yeah, I know what you Wrong mean. Wrong bear. <laughs> they are monogamous. Not helpful. Not helpful. <laughs> I don't remember who our animals are in Asia. Oh god, okay, we have the spectacled tarsier. We had the bintrong. These are mixing seasons. Um, we had the saola. We had the... Again, the one I can't say its name, Santa Kaluga or whatever. Um, we had the turtle, so that's not yeah. it. <laughs> um, Down to about three minutes. Not a mammal. I don't know what to say. All of the ones I'm thinking of are crazy, and I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I'm going to say the, the freaking spectacled tarsier because I don't know what to say. That's like nope. insects and shit they eat. All right. So it is a highly social species. And probably the only social species we covered there. Did we talk about a, a monkey over there? We did not. I have no idea. We're just moving on. I'm never okay. going to get this one. Last one? Yeah. In the family candidate. Okay. That's... We have more than one. In Asia? Oh, oh, yeah. oh, sorry. This is the same animal. Yeah, same animal. Okay. I'm so sorry. I'm a crazy person. <laughs> Who is our Asian... What? <laughs> I do not remember a canid. Do you want to move on? Yeah. Okay. Who the heck was our... This one is endemic to New Guinea and the surrounding islands. You hate me. Um, I, I really don't know. Um, About two minutes. I'm just going to name a random animal because I really have no... I can't even think of a random animal's name. It's definitely not a bush dog. <laughs> um... I pass. I don't know. Move okay. on to the next. Move to the next thingy. I have no idea. So this one is an Oceana ectotherm. <sighs> you hate me. <laughs> um. Well, it's not the insect. Oceana. Uh, it's not ectotherm. the ectotherm. It's not the dugong. It's not. I don't remember where they're from. Where a lot of our animals are from. I should remember what an ectotherm and an endotherm are, though. A tuatara? That is correct. Okay. Last one. Okay. It is an aquatic invertebrate. We had a lot of those, too. Yeah. One minute. I'm going to say a blue dragon. That is not correct. It uses venom. Uh, a few things do. I will say the Portuguese man of war. That is not it. They are in the order Arthropoda. An aquatic vertebrate? Mm -hmm. Invertebrate. Invertebrate. That uses venom in the order Arthropoda. Diving bell spider? That is correct. Okay. And that's it. Who the hell was our dog? <laughs> not dog, but our canid in Asia. The dole. Season. Yeah. Oh my god. 
That's so upsetting. Yes, so let me do the math. I disagree with this, though. I shouldn't be penalized when you say something that can have five answers. That's like me saying it's a Disney princess. <laughs> and if you don't get the right one immediately, there are nine options. You get penalized for that. Like you said, I am evil. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't accept this. <laughs> you got 68 okay but really I got like 88 <laughs> because I say if I got it within the first two hints then I got the full points because right. you so, can't do that otherwise that's it when we do Leopardy next that's what I'm going to do I'm like it's a Disney princess <laughs> let's see if you guessed the right one first alright so um, let's see there was yeah. only one other one you just couldn't get. Um, that was the Hooded Pidu. Oh, uh, what was it? Demic to New Guinea and the surrounding islands. Yeah, no, I wasn't going to remember that one. They display a post-somatic coloration. They are a poisonous non-amphibian. They are in the order Passeriformes, the songbirds, and likely gets venom from eating beetles. There we go. Okay. All right, well... There we go. That was a weird one. I don't agree with it, but um, and it worked in my head. That's <laughs> in practice. Except when that you have five animals that it can be <laughs> off your first clue. <laughs> so, um, that doesn't quite work. You have to make it a little more specific. Anyway, well, well, it's still on par with like what you normally get. Not by the end. No, because I would have done better if you hadn't <laughs> cheated and I just had a guess right out of five animals to begin with. I'm doing one like that. I'm going to be right. like, who's? <laughs> it's a Disney horse. Let's see if you get it. I wouldn't. No, you don't even know the horse's <laughs> names to begin with. So I'll make sure I pick one of the more obscure ones and then be like, you'll uh, never get this. And then I'll be like, it's not in Hunchback. It's not entangled. <laughs> Those will be your hints. You brought this on yourself. Just so you know. Just so you know. All right, um, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do one like this. I'm not gonna do it as Leopardy. I'm gonna do it a full one like this and okay. make it all pop culture and Disney and all those kinds of things. And like, just guess, and you'll see how you do. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, that is gonna bring us to the end of episode 94. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we are your hosts, Allie and Casey, and we will catch you on the next episode of the Animal Addicts Podcast. <laughs>